Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. I know we've talked about this um, before, but I want to forewarn everybody. Um, we got a great interview tonight, but when we're done with the interview, um, Jason and I, we've had time over the past few weeks to process the series finale of Picard. We will be talking in the context of spoilers. So yes. um, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, when you finish listening to the interview, which we really hope you do because it's phenomenal yep um don't listen to any more until yep. you watch the finale we're gonna so. we're gonna remind you of that when we get there to the jam yep. corner uh but you'll see how it fits so well with yeah. with this episode's conversation well and it's it's you know we've talked about this because we've been playing with and we'll talk more about this in the future as well we've been we really are into um playing star trek adventures now and you and yep. I have been doing some writing work within it. Mm -hmm. um, in a future episode, I'll talk how I've been using some uh, free AI tools to help, mm -hmm. not the writing, but just mm -hmm. learning Idea about Idea generation, it. yeah. Yes. Um, but one of the things, there's a couple of games that I have, and I don't have them in front of me, and I can't believe I don't remember the names. But this idea of, and I learned this term from, our friends at Green Ronin, the idea of playing in gritty space. Yeah. Realistic space. Right. Based off of the physics and the technology mm -hmm. we have now, just perhaps a little bit pushed forward. Mm -hmm. And you and I got into real discussions about, um, you know, life on other planets. How do we, oh, how yeah. would we handle yeah. you know alien races? How do we mm -hmm. handle, even it's, let's be honest, independent of alien races, we know that there is there are different you know geologies climates mm -hmm. and everything in other worlds that just i don't know how people could dispute that um if you want to argue against alien life i get that but um there are planets out there i mean let's be honest even the planets in our system if they have there are some that have some sort of right Right, I mean, the Mil right? Milky Way galaxy alone, What we've talked about this before, though we've talked so much more offline, but Milky yeah. Way galaxy, at least 100 billion stars. The average star is thought to have at least a handful of planets. Mm -hmm. More and more, it seems that at least some of those are going to be rocky, although we don't know if that's a precursor for the probability right. of life. And so, you know, when you're talking about right, a trillion or more mm -hmm. potential loci for life, I, I mean, right, it's, in fact, I just had this conversation a couple hours ago with my 15 year old. Uh, we were, we were kind of, we had, um, we had uh, Nova in the background and okay. uh, yep. it was the 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 current i think it's the most recent episode uh the one on the james webb space telescope and they were they were talking about what we were saying brad about how to characterize planets right and how how web theoretically is going to make a big difference with that and my 15 year old you know asked well what what do i think about the probability of life and like this is you and i've talked about this on the show before but we've yeah. talked about this in terms of gaming but but like you said through the gritty real world like not like what do we want to do for the game but what do we think it actually is yes. right because 
Yeah, the game became a, a vehicle for us. To, yes, to move into the to yes. move into the science of it. The, the excuse to, to the have science. these conversations. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, well, you know, my thinking, since you didn't ask, but but my daughter did. My thinking is, there are so many possibilities. I my educated guess, my educated hunch. It's not from nowhere. I really think that life is ubiquitous across the galaxy. I have no idea whether intelligent, sentient, self-aware life is. I have no idea, but life certainly. Yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, you know, um, to quote a movie that you and I like, it'd be a great waste of space. It'd be a, a great waste of space. But of course, we only have a single yeah. case study, and. Yeah. And and it's like, well, what what's necessary? This is why I'm so intrigued by the upcoming uh, missions to Jupiter and to the moons because of, of, of what they'll mean. And it's funny you bring us to this topic. Ironic, uh, don't you think? Ironic, yeah, a little bit. Uh, because of our because of our guest uh, for this episode, uh, someone we've been following online for. Quite time. some time. Um, yeah. Certainly, personally, one of my favorite podcasts these days, um, Dr. Michael Wong, who's a planetary scientist, an astrobiologist, and a first-rate podcaster who manages to integrate science and Star Trek. And, you know, I was actually thinking of saying this to him before we started recording, and then it just kind of went out of my head because, A, it was asinine and B it wasn't entirely relevant, but I thought if he could somehow have an episode on cookies, then his podcast would have all of my favorite things together. I don't even I, know where to go with that. I really like cookies. Ask anyone. It's a I know, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to Star think. Star Trek science and cookies covered in the same podcast. What's not to love? Yeah, I guess, I I'm guess. Just, just well, why not? You don't have to have that discussion, but. If it's a video cast, vidcast or a video podcast, you can yeah. just eat the cookies. So is true. I mean, for me, yeah. for me, yeah, I don't know what point. you drink. You know, we've we've talked about this before. I have my iced. I I don't go to like a uh, like a Starbucks or something like that before episodes, but I have my iced coffee. Right. Um. You know. So for me, us discussing science, games, life. You know, all sorts of things plus coffee. We we you know. need to okay, it's totally honest here as Brad takes a zip of his iced calf. Yeah. Uh we've never talked about this before, but we are remiss in not doing so. We need a coffee episode. Dead oh, yeah. serious. Dead, oh, dead serious. serious. Yeah. We we need a coffee episode. Um that I, I propose this. I'm proposing this in recording and not paused. I think we should have an episode of Star Trek Adventures and Coffee. Interesting. We can I, I we like can, it. We can we can intermingle them. Yeah, we can um, we can pair different beans with different episodes. Maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, but you know um who doesn't look a good blonde roast with an away mission? I don't trust anyone who likes a good blonde roast, but the, <laughs> it that that might be an overly pretentious uh, episode, but no, we. I like the idea. Hey, do we, you we do know to, that we have to have a coffee episode? Blonde roasts, blonde roasts have more caffeine than dark roasts. Do they really? Yeah, 
I've told you this four times. Yeah, you probably, I know, but I probably just yeah. repress that knowledge. Oh, you probably just um, ignore it. You tend to ignore anything that most, most of what comes from me, other than when you record it and you're forced to listen to that's, it. That's but, true. What? Exactly. Yeah. So, so but getting know, back to it. Oh, okay. I was going to keep going with Landros, but, but no, let's go okay. back. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> we'll come back. back. That's the episode Star Trek Adventures okay. and Coffee. Stay tuned. So. Coming to a Dyson Mind podcast near you. Yeah. So if you see that as a title, you know, as we lose 90% of our listenership for that episode, just make sure you come back if that's not your thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, but I, I have to assume that coffee is really popular among our audience. Oh yeah. For so many reasons. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, getting back. Cause I, we have to yeah. go to the interview here in a moment. We do. I will be honest. Now I'm, you know, I am a, what's the best way to put this? A science aficionado. You're an I'm armchair not, scientist. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. not a trained scientist. Um, you know, my degrees are in business and technology, mm -hmm. but I have been waiting since you first um, introduced me to Doctor Wong's yeah. podcast. Yeah, and to who he was to actually talk with him because mm -hmm. um, his background. His the discussions he has, and he's such you're going to find him to be such an engaging person. Oh yeah, um, on the yeah. podcast again, we we are we are we are continuing this theme of being very lucky to have really gracious and wonderful people join us. Oh yeah, and like Mike, just yeah. the nicest, brightest, most interesting people. I mean, as we speak right now, if I if I grab my iPod phone. And I go to podcasts. Um, I am midway through his latest episode of Strange New Worlds. Um, it's just, it's just a favorite, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, please enjoy this because I know I could have gone down the rabbit hole multiple times just talking with him and learning. Um, it, it literally felt like I was a student in a class that I have always wanted to take. Yeah, in a good, um, good way. In a very good way. And I mean that with the greatest amount of humility and respect. It's just, it was really fun to listen. Um, we're going to have to have him back on. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, uh, 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 thanks in advance, Mike, because with the timing of our recording, clearly this was at the end of what for you we know are really busy days in the office, really, really busy days in the lab, as it were. Um, you had to have been tired. And um, and yes. we, we appreciate you taking the time with us because it was just such a fun conversation. Absolutely. Dr. Michael Wong is a Carnegie postdoctoral fellow at the Carnegie Institution for Science's Earth and Planets Laboratory, working with Robert M. Hazen, Shauna M. Morrison, Peter Gao, and others. His primary scientific interests are planetary atmospheres, habitability, biosignatures, and the emergence of life. He is also co-authoring a revised edition of the textbook, Astrobiology, a Multidisciplinary Approach, with Professor Jonathan Lunin. Dr. Wong's other passions include photography, writing, public speaking, graphic design, and playing a variety of team sports. He hosts a podcast called Strange New Worlds, which examines science, technology, and culture through the lens of Star Trek. Well, 
Well, Mike, uh, we were just talking beforehand a bit, but thank you so very much for joining us, wasting a little time with us. Um, we've been we've been fans of your podcast, uh, and I've been fans of your work for a while. And so we want to talk Trek. We want to talk planetary science. But first, I got to start with like a, a comment slash question. It'll end with a question, I promise. Okay. Um, and I, I, I was about to email you over the past week so many times that I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to save it. This can be our opener. A uh, few years ago, so this is 2023, few years ago-ish, um, I came across a musical that is easily <laughs> one of my, I'm not kidding, one of my favorite musicals. And I didn't realize, I never made the connection, Mike, that you were in it. And I'm talking about what boldly go, yes, which I yes. found on YouTube. I don't remember. I was searching for something. I don't remember how I came across it, <laughs> but I, I, I came across like in one of the Caltech flyers or something online. And I'm like, I have to find this. I have to see this. And it's available on YouTube. And I sat down some weekend and I just watched it. And it was just so much fun. It's like, these are my people, but how can they act and sing? Right. And you were in that. <laughs> yeah, but so, I, I couldn't act or sing. <laughs> well, you look good on stage. I mean, so I, and I saw you singing, so don't give me that. Um, I would love to know. Oh, I mean, I would love to know about that. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh my goodness. Thank you for asking about that. What a blast from the past. So um, I, I was in graduate school at Caltech. Um, and I was going through my mid-grad school crisis years. I'm, I'm sure that's familiar <laughs> to you. You know, just getting getting kind of lost, doing a little research, but really wondering, like, what am I actually doing? Where is this all leading? Um, and in the the the, I think it was the middle of my fourth year, maybe um, of grad school, uh, Caltech Theater decides to put on a Star Trek parody musical. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, coincided. It was 2016, as you mentioned. Um, that was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go and do this. Having had no theater background, oh, wow. having had absolutely no um, musical theater background, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but the wonderful thing about Caltech is that it's such a stem oriented school that um the the extracurriculars are kind of just like wide open you know mm -hmm. trying out for something in terms of musical theater i didn't have to compete with any music majors i didn't have to compete with any oh, yeah. theater majors i could just walk in there in my cosplay for the for the audition and i'm pretty <laughs> sure it's got to be it had to be like my star trek badge that that won me the part because oh it God. wasn't my voice that's for sure <laughs> um still can't hold a tune but uh but i i was able to land the role of sulu so this was a parody of the original Star Trek, yep. uh, which was just fabulous because I got to spend, you know, Sula's like always on the bridge, right? He's always there typing mm -hmm. on his, uh, you know, the navigation console. And um, and so I got to spend, you know, like half the musical just on stage, you know, miming right. Star Trek things. Um, and it was just such a blast because this musical brought together a whole huge slice of the Caltech community from cool. undergraduates to grad students, to staff, to even JPL scientists, 
because JPL and Caltech have a very close mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and I was singing about Star Trek alongside people who looked up to me as their mentor and also people who I looked up to as, you know, thank you for running the spacecraft missions that made my, so my cool. thesis possible. You know, wow. <laughs> And uh, it's it, it was just simply one of the most remarkable things that I did. I got absolutely no research done in the months leading up to <laughs> <laughs> the show. And my thesis advisor definitely noticed. He told me afterwards, Mike, please never do anything like that again. Oh, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> that's that's so cool. You got, and to, I mean... you got to stretch yourself, you know, oh, yeah. and, and 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 see a different side. I find that that's actually fascinating. I didn't know that Caltech did that. So yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 a great program, the the theater program at Caltech. And the director of the theater program, believe it or not is Brian Brophy, who played uh, Commander Bruce Maddox in the Star Trek The Next Generation oh, you're, episode, you're kidding. The Measure of the Man. Uh, so he, yeah, he was Maddox, the guy who tried to take apart data and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, one not, of my uh, absolute favorite episodes. Data. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a stunning episode. It's always on people's top 10 lists of Star Trek yeah. episodes of all time. And he played the main, I guess, quote unquote, villain of the episode. Mm. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, just getting to work alongside him with all of his Star Trek knowledge. Oh, um, that's cool. Uh, he's a great actor. He has great stories about working with Patrick Stewart. Um, and then just meeting a whole bunch of other like-minded scientist Trekkies uh, on yeah. that show. Uh and also, I, I I went. The reason why I got no research done, the real reason is because I went to every single rehearsal that I could, even the ones that I wasn't like my part wasn't being uh, you know rehearsed because yeah. I knew that inevitably somebody else in the company would be too busy to come to that rehearsal, yeah, and smart. I would get to fill in for their role. So I played mm-hmm. Spock, I played Kirk, I played oh, literally cool. you know every I played a a, a red shirt chorus girl. You know. <laughs> did you really in the yeah in the, all the rehearsals i played like literally every single part because it was so much fun to do to embody a klingon for an hour or two you know or or, or to yeah, just oh my gosh uh practice my william shatner voice mm-hmm. that's the kato kind of you know um, yeah. delivery uh become as emotionless as spock it was it was so fun. Um, yeah, absolutely no regrets doing it. Met some lifelong friends uh, who, you know, we still stay in touch. Uh, nice. Met the person that I ended up starting my podcast with, Elise Cuts, who is a, now a science journalist. Oh, cool. uh, and it was it was just really fun. And undoubtedly, those are all skills that serve you for the thesis defense. Oh my goodness! You wouldn't believe it. Absolutely. Oh. You know, people people always say like, "Don't no." Just, I'm actually being serious here. Because, <laughs> my God. <laughs> like like science. I I always I like to say that science isn't done until science is shared, right? And so yes. that kind of yes. like you know the things that you 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 do in theater actually translate into you know science communication, whether it's just through through a podcast or me getting up in front of hundreds of people uh, uh, to give a talk, you know, at a conference. It's really, really important uh, to, to, you know, I, I do, I still do the um, vocal warm-ups that I learned from Brian Brophy doing oh, wow. the Boldly Go musical before I go into like a really high stakes talk wow. that I am nervous about, right? Because yeah, they yeah. just help center myself. They help get me nice. in the mode of projecting my voice. Um, and, you know, it's probably just, um, 
just 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 psychological you would know <laughs> yeah. to, wow. to, you know rather than like actually you know helping me with my delivery of that particular scientific content but just to get me in the zone right um it's it's a really it's a physical act to to yeah. to give a big talk so i i really did actually take a lot of lessons from being on stage that i translate into my scientific wow. life that that's really cool. And I mean, I, I mean, you do, a, I, I don't really do any of this. You do a ton of it, but if anything, cause you know, this is an audio only podcast. And so if it's not just remarkably apparent from our voices, the two of us are at least a decade, at least on you, right? Probably more than that, but um, it's taken me a long time to really realize that as beautiful as science is un, until it's disseminated, until it's communicated, it doesn't matter doesn't matter what you discover it doesn't matter the joy of it you got it you got to tell someone and 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 toward that note you know speaking of being in the zone one of the things that i think impresses us most about your podcast other than you know like i remember saying to myself when i discovered uh your podcast that that it's like science and star trek and that's what this guy talks about and i think i actually said out loud to my phone you had me at hello sad but true but <laughs> you know with the zone issue when you record or I, I don't know when you record but but when your episodes come out and when you talk to these fascinating people um even your sister which could have sounded i mean i i would have imagined that conversation would have sounded differently but you are just so darn enthusiastic Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, but I but I really mean that because I think that's hard to find. And it, you know, you don't have to out yourself right now. But is that legit? Like you sound like you are just in love with what you're talking about when you're on those episodes. Yeah, it's it's legit because I view my podcast as a labor of love. It's something that I do on the side, right? Because I'm a full-time scientist mm -hmm. um, and the podcast is just my excuse to have really cool conversations with really cool people. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going from people who have actually been on Star Trek to people who make Star Trek happen to people just like me who love Star Trek and, you know, maybe are scientists or are writers or mm -hmm. something, you know, it's just... Uh, it's wonderful to make that kind of human connection to somebody. Um, and, you know, that's exactly what we're doing right here on Dyson Mind. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying this. And I look forward to having you on Strange New Worlds one day when your book on leadership in oh, Star Trek comes out. Thank you. Count on it. That would be awesome. Thank you. Um, can yeah. I can yeah. I ask a more it's not, being the air quote non-scientist scientist on the on the <laughs> podcast for for those that are listening that may not necessarily know um you know we're going to have obviously in the show notes links to to find you out on the web and everything you're listed as a planetary scientist and astrobiologist yeah which which you know that, that is i mean cool without even completely understanding everything what is an astrobiologist? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. Yeah. An astrobiologist is basically uh, a person who is trying to study these two questions. Where did we come from and are we alone in the universe? Um, so, you know, basically trying to understand the origin of life here on Earth and potential origins of life elsewhere. And then also, how do we look for life elsewhere in the universe? Um, you know, whether it's our next door planet 
Mars or a distant exoplanet that is orbiting a faraway star? You know, what are the techniques? What are the technologies? Uh, what are what are the missions going to look like that actually goes out and explores those strange new worlds and seeks out new life? You know, um, so I really am inspired by Star Trek. I've got to give Star Trek all of the credit here for really, um, you know, inspiring me to pursue those questions because that's the way I think about it in my mind is that I always wanted to grow up and be like my heroes on Star Trek um, in the scientific way and hence my scientific journey, but then also, you know, be those types of people, those types of characters, those types of role models, those types of leaders. And I'm really looking yeah. forward to, you know, speaking to you two uh, about leadership in, in track and how, uh, you know, the, 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 the science behind leadership is being depicted uh, in, yeah. in Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, I, I pro we're going to get to track in a sec, but since you brought up leadership, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I've got a question and you are welcome, Mike, to say just no comment. <laughs> okay but okay. um because i oh respect that. i don't think it's good i don't think you will but but you know you never know um you mm -hmm. jason are... is the controversial one of the both of us just I'm, <laughs> I'm i yeah 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 we're we're, we're just hardcore softballers right um no yeah, but yeah. but but in terms of leadership and in terms of the intersection with science and and like you said you i mean you are an active and i know very busy scientist i mean you you're involved in all mm. kinds of stuff and and you my friend are involved in all kinds of stuff uh with some pretty prominent people as you become one yourself so i gotta ask because i remember you're in robert hazen's lab or working with him yes that's right yeah uh bob and i see each other almost every day um yeah i i was assigned his science matters when i was in college it, I don't know if it was like the wow. first edition or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to say wow is because it's neat that it's a book and not we're that old. But it was an early, early edition. And it was one of those books where, I mean, I, I, well, I've got most of my college books, but it was one of those books where, you know, there are certain things you read, right? Like mm -hmm. like the Tao of physics. You, you might not agree with everything or it might have been a little sophomoric in retrospect, but like you're never going to, especially the later books, like you're never going to leave that it's always or you know whatever asimov and whatnot but science matters just opened my mind and i've read mm -hmm. him since and he's such a preeminent scientist and he's such a beautiful science writer like yes. that's a rare yes. thing like he's up there with people like like sapolsky right this mm -hmm. is uh, i mean to, this is my opinion only but it's hard to write beautifully mm -hmm. and deeply about science much much less you know tell the tale of the evolution of a planet like i i put I, i'm blocking on um blocking on the title of that when i put that down and i was like oh, story of earth probably thank you story yep. of earth and it's like oh so this planet has been alive in a way i never even recognized for the yep. past few billion years several billion years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm just curious especially since you're seeing him talking to him every day like like to stay focused on you as a scientist to be able to work with someone with that knowledge base and that you know awareness i mean he's been at this for a long time right what does that do for you in terms of being a scientist in terms of models of leadership in yeah. science yeah I'm, I'm curious i would love to pick your brain um where to start 
I, I guess I have to just begin by saying I'm, I've been very lucky in my career to have had some incredible mentors. And Bob is the latest one. I look up to him so much. Um, you know, I have to just pinch myself to to every morning because I get a slice of Bob Hazen's time um, and he wants to spend that time with me too. And that's just like, what is going on? Because I look up to him so much uh, for all the same reasons that you do. He's an amazing scientist, so knowledgeable about earth and planetary science, um, and also just the most incredible and prolific writer of science you know he'll just he'll go home and say oh i think i'm done for the day and he'll come back the next morning with like a whole brand new manuscript and we're just like bob (laughs) what were you you were supposed to sleep last night but he just he what impresses me the most is his passion for it you know he just can't stop himself from doing science and when we're having our conversations every once in a while, I'll just, you know, it's not necessarily something that I said, but maybe something that one of our other group mates say, and I'll see tears start to form in Bob's eyes because he's oh, just loving cool. it so much. You but, know, this is a guy in his mid seventies. Yeah, that says it all. Who, who basically, you know, has the enthusiasm and the open-mindedness of a seven-year-old. You know, he is still a kid at heart, is still discovering the universe, wanting to make discoveries and wanting to share them with other people all the time, nonstop. Um, and to have him as a mentor, as a colleague, and as a friend is just one of the most inspiring things. It, it makes me want to look forward to going into work on Monday morning. I'm just like, this is this has got to be the most wonderful job ever. How how lucky am I to want the weekend to be over so that I can go in and work with Bob Hazen? Uh, it's, yeah, it's great. That's really Well, cool. you could tell, you obviously have that same passion. You could just tell by, you know, mm-hmm. when you're talking about it. And again, I I come from a different arena, a different ecosystem, mm-hmm. but I, I've told Jason this and I've told Aaron, his, his co-writer on the books, and, and I'll say it to, to you as well, is for me, looking in at scientists like you, that gives me hope because we've, I function in a different realm where we don't necessarily think that broadly outside of, outside of a a balance sheet or whatever the case may be. So that's why I'm fascinated by asking these type of questions. And I do the same thing as even knowing Jason 30 years, and it gives me hope to see and to know that there are people like you out there who are stretching our knowledge and, pushing us beyond just basic understanding. So not to, not to, and I don't mean that in a patronizing way at all. Um, but question, um, why did you choose the Titan as your background? Now, for those that don't know <laughs> yeah, the good, background, good, good. the background, this is audio only, but behind it's Mike, gorgeous. there is a phenomenal yeah. picture of um, the Titan that you'd see on the end credits for mm-hmm. season three of Picard. So, yeah. And obviously watching those credits, I think I, don't, I think Terry Matala said something on Twitter or something like that. What after the first episode, we start looking at the credits and starting to decipher yeah. all the little mm-hmm. things that, what you know, the 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 notes tighten mm-hmm. where the damage is, the, mm-hmm. the shipyard, all of that. It's so mm-hmm. I, I got to ask what what made you choose the Titan war damage screen? 
Well, you know, it's it's just a, a really beautiful image. Um, that's got to be reason number one. <laughs> uh, the work, the production work on Star Trek Picard season three has been phenomenal. I know they brought back a bunch of the old guard, like Mike Akuda, to come and do a lot of these, you know, L cars type uh, graphic design. And it really, it really struck me as, uh, wow, these people really care about the legacy of Star Trek and trying to honor that for the fans. And that was really wonderful. To be 100% honest, I am not the biggest fan of the Titan itself <laughs> as yeah. a starship. I think it looks a little weird. I much prefer, you know, the the, the more smooth contours of, say, the Galaxy-class Enterprise-D or mm. the USS Voyager and things like that. But, <sighs> hey, you know, it's our hero ship this season, so I made it my Zoom background. Very, very very ecumenical, very, very tolerant. <laughs> they tried to they tried to merge. You could you could tell how with the Titan they tried to merge the old and the new. If you look at the Titan versus yeah. like season two with the Stargazer yeah. at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've got a rationale, right? In terms mm -hmm. of planition utopia and whatnot. So on this note, I'm curious, because we Brad and I are always interested in this. What what was your foray into Star Trek? How did you yeah. get the bug? Yeah, uh, it's got to be uh, my dad. You know, when I was a little kid, um, I, I remember watching TNG with him, actually, uh, when mm -hmm. I was growing up. Uh, and yeah, he was a fan of the original series when mm -hmm. he was a kid. He watched uh, TNG as an adult. And it, it wasn't like anything that he was like, now, Mike, you know, sit down. We're going to watch Star Trek together. <laughs> it was just something on TV that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really... I just fell in love with um, watching alongside my dad. I remember being super mesmerized by Data oh, uh, yeah. when I was a kid. You know, this, yeah. this person is acting kind of weird. He looks kind of weird, too, with this, like, metallic skin. What is up with him? I didn't have any understanding of what an android was. You know, I yeah. was in elementary school at the time, so it didn't make any sense to me. But it was just mesmerizing to watch Brent Spiner's performance and to see him do it all, all over again in Star Trek Picard oh uh, seasons one, two, and three, you know, just really starring as all of these versions of the Sung androids and the Sung family. Uh, it, he's just such a masterful actor, one of my favorites to watch, and um, he's still got it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's... What do you, yeah, what do you think of, of... Okay, now I'm getting into the fanboy era. What do you think so far of... Now, Jace, when I should... I'm going to break the fourth wall. By Long the time after. this, we're, we okay. can talk about anything. This is coming okay. out okay. after. Picard I sometimes, I sometimes yeah. spoil inadvertently, so I always have to ask Jason's <laughs> my clock. So Brad suffers from some temporal distortion regularly yeah. when it comes <laughs> to recording. Yeah. <laughs> um. What are your thoughts? Because as we as we're recording this, we are waiting mere days for the season, the series finale. Oh, yeah. God, episode ten. Yeah. Jason and I just we just all we probably all three of us have watched episode nine, so we're up to speed. What's your take on? what they've done this year is kind of a swan song for the next generation. I just don't want it to end, you know, yeah. as, as the episodes tick down and uh, as I love each one so much and I realize how little there is left, I really just, I just, I don't want it to end. Um, and I hope that it isn't the end of the next generation era of Star Trek, you know, which includes mm -hmm. in my mm -hmm. mind, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Uh, I'd love to see more of the legacy characters figure out mm -hmm. what they're up to. Um, and, 
you know, I think if hopefully, you know, I have no idea. I'm not on, you know, Paramount Plus's uh, stats or anything. I have no idea what the viewership is like, but I, I, my fingers are crossed that uh, Trekkies are tuning in all around the globe to to see this and just showing by their actions, by their viewership, that we want more of this um, mm-hmm. because it's it's been such an incredible journey. And yeah. uh, I, I, I've really enjoyed season three. I'll, I'll have to say season one, I was super hyped for, but it didn't quite, you know, it, it disappointed, honestly, towards yep. the very end. Mm-hmm. Season mm-hmm. two, I got super hyped for, and then again, it disappointed by the end. It's sort of yeah. like, you know, once you get to the back half of the season, it sort of just slid downhill for me for both of those first two seasons of Picard. Yeah. And so going into season three, I was just like, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to get super, super hyped about it. I'm just going to see what happens. Yep. Yep. And it's, they've knocked it out of the park, honestly. It's been great. I no. will say I had to. I saw this in the news. You pulling the passing. data? You, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. Picard uh, broke. It's the first Star Trek series to break the top ten in streaming. Yeah. As of oh, the, cool. the week ending mm. the 19th, that was number nine. Yeah. On the wow. List. Mandalorian yeah. for those that are Disney fans was number three. So just that yeah. gives people some. And yeah. Ted Lasso for those. I don't technically watch all those, but that just tells you what's mm-hmm. in this list. And for Picard I mean, to meet yeah. that and break that top ten, it's gained traction. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you? Because I mean, I'm, you know, well, okay. Let's do it this way. Um, we would love it if you would talk a bit about your wonderful podcast, especially like the Genesis. Yes. I, no pun intended. Yeah. But like how <laughs> how I mean, because you know you just you've got all this free time. It's like why not? <laughs> I you know I'm not really doing anything professionally, so I'll just start a podcast because that's not a time suck. I mean, how did how did because you've been at it for a while, and sometimes yeah. your episodes are more frequent than other times. Yeah. But you talk about it. Right, right. Which is exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So the podcast doesn't follow a regular schedule because I feel like I just want to do it when I can. Right. And so maybe that's every week for four weeks in a row. And then yeah. I take four weeks off because I'm busy traveling. And I do that so that it doesn't feel like work because I don't want it to feel like work. I want it to feel like fun. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the genesis of it was 2017. Star Trek Discovery was coming out. Star Trek back on TV or streaming TV. And uh, I was listening to other Star Trek podcasts. Mm -hmm. I was listening to people dissect the plot, dissect the costumes, try to figure out what the characters are doing, um, you know, the mystery of Lorca, etc. But nobody was talking about the science. And I was Mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm that's weird. There's a lot of cool science in this show, or, you know, the the show is trying at least to make a connection to certain scientific areas. And I searched for a science of Star Trek podcast. And I was like, is there really no science of Star Trek podcast? This, this can't be. Um, And then I realized, wait a minute, I think I know some people who would be able to speak to the science in Star Trek discovery. So I decided, why not me? Why not start a nice. podcast? Uh, I, I was very lucky to have um, a willing co-host in Elise Cutts who had a complimentary knowledge base to myself. Uh, I was more, much more on the physical side of the sciences at that time, and she was coming in with a, a geobiology background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we covered a, a wide range of sciences. Of course, we, we'd never had a psychologist, um, but uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was good to start off with and talk about the science of space, the science of tardigrades, yeah. the science of biosignatures. Eventually, we did get a sports psychologist 
just on. Um, that was uh, really interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, oh, uh, there was another psychologist um, from the University of Washington uh, at the Ast in the astrobiology program there. They actually have psychologists studying, uh, you know, human interaction with technology as yeah, we go so into cool. space. Uh, also uh, thinking about um, octopus brains as sort of like mm -hmm. alternate modes of intelligence and what they can teach us about potentially yeah. intelligence in other worlds. Was uh, was that the couple episodes around 10C, Species 10C? Uh, that one was different? actually um, Professor Sherry Wells Jensen from okay. uh, Bowling Green State University. Okay. Sherry was one of the uh, consultants, I think, for the generation of Tensi's language. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, it was yeah. really amazing to talk to her because she is blind, has been blind from birth, yeah. and so perceives the world in a different way. What a wonderful kind of person to ask to consult on a mm. completely alien species that also perceives and communicates in a very different way from uh, the normal human being. Because you, I mean, what I, one of the things I think we appreciate about your interviews is like that one, like I said, that one to me is really emblematic of this, but you don't shy away from the depth of the science. Like, like you got deep into semantics. Like I was, I was saying there, like this, this isn't surface level. And you do that with, with a lot of your guests, especially the, the scientist guests of, of look, here's your field. What do you think? Tell me about your research. And, and you can tell they feel comfortable, but it's not gloss and that's mm. refreshing. Yeah, yeah, I do try to do a little bit of homework um, beforehand. So I try to read their papers, right, uh, for the subject that we're about to discuss. So in, in the specific case of Sherry Wells Jensen, I think I read like three or four of, uh, wow. of her works, um, just because it's not my field. If, if I were interviewing another planetary scientist or an astrobiologist, I probably wouldn't need to read up those papers. But because I was interviewing somebody who you know, was a professor of linguistics and I have no background in linguistics. I mean, I took like a linguistics class in college, but that barely counts. Um, you know, I, I really did need to uh, make sure that as the host, I could ask somewhat intelligent yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I did a little background reading. Yeah. yeah. Without uh, without any spoilers on your part here, mm -hmm. not, uh, not in terms of people, but I'm curious, uh, it, are there topics are there topics or are there threads you would love to be able to address on your show in the future, whether it's it's near or distant, like things you just haven't had a chance to and and you just think it's such a good fit. It's such a good fit for Trek. Oh, that's a, such a great question. Um, yes, uh, there are. I mean, OK, well, besides the obvious leadership in Star Trek, um, which yeah. we've mentioned numerous times now, um, I also want to do an episode about multiverses. We've seen this concept oh. of the multiverse in Star Trek a lot. Mm -hmm. There is a scientific concept of the multiverse. Actually, there are many different flavors of the scientific concept of a multiverse. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, really dissecting, okay, what are the possibilities for there being other universes? Why do we suspect that there are actually other universes out there from an astrophysical and cosmological point of view? Mm -hmm. uh, I did reach out to Sean Carroll. I knew that was coming <laughs> a physicist um he, yeah. he's a, he's an amazing science commuter himself he's one of the few yeah. people who has ever said no to me in terms of coming on my podcast so one day sean i will get you yeah. but uh but he was too busy that time so um and then another one that i i really want to do sticking with the astrophysics theme is sort of like the end of our universe and what that's like uh -huh. so you may remember this really awesome uh deep space nine episode 
where there are these genetically enhanced folks who were really concerned oh, yeah. about like yeah. the heat death of the universe, mm -hmm. right? And trying to prevent that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is like something of cosmological proportions. Like how in the world do you prevent the heat death of the universe? That is baked into the second law of thermodynamics. And that's like mm -hmm. something you just can't, it's like trying to uh, turn off gravity. Well, I guess in Star Trek, they kind of can, but that's magic. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I would love it's to cute. talk to somebody about yeah. that. Yeah, it's cute. So, yeah. so like a Katie Mack or someone like that? You know exactly who I want to <laughs> Hilarious. I've yeah. got her book on my bookshelf. I'm going to read her book first. It's good. Because again, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know anything about this. And then I'm going to email her and say, would you like to be on Strange New World? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. it's it's good and it's super current. Mm -hmm. Like there was, a, and I'm blocking, it's on my shelf somewhere here. It's There was, um, there was a, a book along the same lines that came out late 90s. Right. I mean, so it was dated and like, I remember reading it one night in bed, like toward the end. And it's like, you, you don't think you can get excited about proton decay, but at a certain point it's like, Ooh, this is fascinating. But, um, <laughs> but that was, that was 20 some years ago and her book, it's like right now. And you know, not that physics has learned anything in 20 some years, but it's you know, pretty impressive. Yeah. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is so much fun. We really appreciate you taking the time with us. Of course. Um, you know, it's just everything you're doing. Um, also, we, we noticed, so are you still doing photography? Yeah. That was one of my biggest hobbies when I was in college and grad school. Um, yeah. I, you know, did photography for the newspapers and the, the oh, yearbook. Nice. Yeah. Um, since I left grad school, you know, um, you know, being a being not a student anymore, um, yeah. it you know it's harder to contribute to the new to the student oh. newspaper and to the student yeah. yearbook. You know, they'd yeah. be like, "What are you doing here? You're like a real adult. Go away." Um, so uh, I, I I still do photography in terms of like travel photography, but it's a lot less because one of my favorite things to photograph, uh, you know, was events on campus, sports games, um, things mm. like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's mm. waned in 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 the past few years especially due to covid um you know yeah. uh but uh but i still enjoy it yeah yeah you you've got some really lovely nature pieces oh, thank too. You. i'm, I'm thank partial you. to those that's yeah. jason's that's jason's realm is nature photography well it, it was trying to get back yeah. into it right kind yeah. of a similar thing yeah yeah very very cool Man. hey before we before we do wrap up i want to i want to i want to plug your podcast just for a second because i want people to understand that you don't have to be a scientist to listen. Most of the time, I think all of us oh, who no. are podcast listeners are looking for entertainment and for mm -hmm. education. And I think it's important. We try to do the same thing here, but if they listen to that, they're going to, I learn, and I'm not a scientist by trade, but it's very accessible material, even if you get down like you were just talking about. So that's why I would, I would recommend folks, even if they are in a different realm of study, to to listen because again going yeah. back to what i said before i'm i learned from listening to you all you know? and so mm -hmm. so i have a little bit i'm a, when jason was when jason paid you and convinced you to join us i didn't <laughs> don't sit on air don't sit on air <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah. sorry yeah. <laughs> cut we'll, we'll, we'll cut um, it out it's okay yeah cut it yeah. out yeah. um yeah. no i was i was actually very excited because because i always love to talk to people who are who to the podcast that we listen to Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, well, and so strange new worlds, right? Yeah. Strange new worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast, and I gotta say, kudos on naming it because <laughs> the the timing and the coincidence could not be better. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I named the podcast uh, in 2017 before Strange New Worlds, the TV show was even a glimmer yeah. Yeah, in yeah, somebody's yeah. eye. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the runner up, I was, you know, debating, should it be called Strange New Worlds or should it be called uh, Treknobabble? That was the alternative, oh. Treknobabble. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm a planetary scientist. I study strange new worlds. So it's going to be strange new nice. worlds. <laughs> yeah. And it's accessible, right? Like people get it. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. There's no inside joke there. It's just strange mm -hmm. new worlds. Now, you are also, you've got quite a bit online, right? You've got a bunch of talks online. I mean, mm, yeah. I'm not kidding to, to go back to the very beginning. Um, you know, everybody, if you, if you, Google boldly go, Caltech, that should be enough to get you there. I'm seriously thinking about about watching it again once mm -hmm. semester's over. Um, much of what I know about Andorians and their vocal skills, it's from that musical. <laughs> it's it's so impressive. It's so impressive. Um, if 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 people want to who aren't already familiar with you and your work you know, fun research, whatever. If, if they're not already familiar beyond the podcast, where do you want them to go? What should they check out? Oh, for my work. Um, well, well know, anything, anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I've got a website. You can look at all of the projects that I'm currently engaged in. Uh, they have links to my papers. If you're really interested in doing a deep dive into the science, um, like you said, I have a number of science of Star Trek talks. That's one of you know my favorite ways of disseminating science. Um, and I was lucky enough last year to do a talk, uh, my very first one at a Star Trek convention, which was a dream come Super true. Cool. Um, I wasn't able to record that one, but I did it again for my um, workplace for the Carnegie Institution for yeah. Science. Uh, so that lecture is online. It's on YouTube. And it, it even comes with a panel of other scientists um, at Carnegie talking about how their science is related to Star Trek. And I moderate that. So uh, it's, it's yeah, I would say go check those out. Um, they were a lot of fun to put together. Um, and yeah, uh, I'd say that's it. <laughs> Really appreciate you taking the time with us this evening, Mike. Yeah, and please, we have to have you back because we didn't even we didn't even touch on the Star Trek stuff that we could have. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's no okay because there was because yeah. I could have probably I, I would have I would have taken the podcast out a little bit because I would have started quizzing you and you would have, <laughs> you would have, you, you, yeah. well because I'm so fascinated by it, it would have turned more into a one on one type course and that's what we I, that's get a tutorial we'll right <laughs> yeah yeah we, yeah we won't come back after that so yeah. um that's awesome. but yeah thank you so much for joining us. Sure, no problem. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't ask me about RPGs. Oh, oh, well, oh, we well, never want. Okay, no, 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 no. no. We're not. Isn't we, this Dyson mind? It is. We we never want to assume. No. Right. Yeah. Okay, we're formally asking you about <laughs> RPGs. Do you play anything? Well, um, yeah. So I I, I have played, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a casual player. If I get mm -hmm. invited to a campaign, I'll play. But it's you know, I've never DM'd or anything like that. And over the pandemic, um, a few friends of mine, uh, we decided to do um, a Star Trek adventure. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Star Trek, Star Trek adventures. adventures. Star Trek adventures. Yeah, um, oh, cool. and that was a lot of fun while it lasted. Uh, yeah. Of course, it fizzled out because people got you know burnt out of Zoom and uh, we're just like you know, yeah. But it was cool. And and so I really do enjoy doing RPGs. Awesome. Uh, it's fun. It, it really gets me back into that, like, 
enjoyment that I had acting, you know, um, right. for, for the Star Trek musical, uh, just, you know, embodying somebody new, trying out new things, um, being creative and just having fun. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's yeah. I just wanted to say that. Thank you nice for bringing mind. that up. That's <laughs> no, and, so and I cool. think we can we can start to build our all star cast. We might call you at some point and say, "Hey, you want to play Star Trek Adventures with well, us?" You know? I I you would make a great GM for STA. Seriously, that yeah. that's I can see. I think you'd be a good fit for that. Well, thank you, thank yeah. you. I'm not sure if I'm up to it, but you're probably a little bit busy. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe not now, but right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm Wait glad you brought I get it up. Tenure or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> then you, you get tenure. You just see him walking around campus, no pants, and an armful of STA source books. <laughs> That's gonna be me. That's yeah. gonna be you. <laughs> well, good. Uh -oh. I hope that happens. Yeah, no, I'm awesome. glad you brought up the RPG thing. Like Jason said, we don't always assume and we mm -hmm. sometimes get so into like Star Trek or science or other cases, well, Star Wars. And and awesome we sometimes forget, you. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah. want to know the people. We know the games. So, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, just a delight. Thank you so much to quote a famous podcaster. We'll see you out there. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. It's It's been a pleasure. I truly love it when we have scientists on the show. Um, like I mentioned before, I am, I'm, I guess I'm an armchair scientist, um, not trained. So listening to you and he talk and listening to just, I mean, he has such a breadth of knowledge and it's about such a cutting edge. I hate yeah. to say it like that. No, it's, that but, just a, that's true. You know, a cutting edge field. Um, yeah. You know, no, that, that's, that's, that's exactly what was on my mind after we hung up with Mike. And honestly, for the days following that I thought, okay, you know, and honestly, it's, it, it's been with me for a while in the sense of, okay, so I look at my research and I think, okay, I, uh, you know, I'm involved in some stuff right now that, that seeks to demonstrate the potential of like fairly well-known interventions. Right. Uh, maybe there's something novel there. Maybe there's not. But but it's it's about it's about applying it in the in the real world, if you will. But Mike really is at the cutting edge, working with people who are at the cutting edge to do something that I respect immensely, which is is not merely good research, good science, and not merely doing it with obviously such joy that he has. I mean, it's infectious. Mm -hmm. oh, but yeah. but he he and his team i mean he's he's involved in the process of discovery right yeah, of and, discovering elements of the world amazing well and and um two points one um you know just uh, it's profound i'm gonna go to the other point and i'll come back um i loved it at the end when he said well, aren't we going to talk about games oh um, that was awesome that was so cool He's so good yeah yeah um i, I played <laughs> yeah oh i know what the other point was this was the more profound point for me is that you know in my realm you know i do my own you know this i do a lot of research self-research in mm -hmm. business and, and mm -hmm. economics mm -hmm. and um so for me to see people like mike out there researching you know and and doing what he's doing 
it gives me hope because I know that in it, he is just one of many people driving us forward. Yeah. Um, right. I'm not in that field. We, we drive us forward in a different way, but literally mm -hmm. expanding our horizons, expanding our knowledge, mm -hmm. reminding us that, um, you know, we are one species on mm -hmm. one ball in a mm -hmm. vast universe. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, independent of, of my faith and all that, I don't see any, and we won't, we don't have to dive into this too far. I don't see any issue with, um, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. So for me no, to, 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 to see people like Mike out there doing the research he does, it just reminds me that, that, as much as we see what's going on that's negative mm -hmm. in the news and such, mm -hmm. um, there are people out there that just don't get enough recognition, mm -hmm. press, or yeah. thanks yeah. for and, all of that. So, Mike, thank you. Thank yeah, you for continuing yeah, to do said, what Brad. you're doing. You know? you know, I think what, what, what else stands out to me and saw right away about Mike was that in addition to all of that, which is true, right? I mean, Mike is, he's just an, a first-rate scientist, Oh, yeah. And he's working with literally some of the best people in the field mm -hmm. as he becomes one of them and is just so modest. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's just, that's so nice. That's what we need. That's how science should be. That's how, how society should be. Just, just um, quite the, quite the role model for a lot of, a lot of young scientists, I think, who will, who will come after him. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously we're just a tad older, but just to see such brilliance. And again, Mike, we're not being patronizing. I just I literally mm -hmm. I'm I'm just I'm a little bit in awe that I get to talk to um people like you because I'm so in a different realm on a daily basis. And so it yeah. it gives me joy, it gives me hope, and mm -hmm. I I feel very humbled. Um when yeah. we can talk to people yeah. like like one. It's time for the GM corner. Instead of our regularly scheduled GM corner, um, we for are the next four is, hours. Yeah, for the next four hours, we are going to be in the Picard corner. That's right. So, um, as will on the bridge, would say red yeah. alert. Yes. If, so, if you have not watched. The, the final entirety. episode of Picard or the in, any the entire, of it. If you haven't yeah. watched the entirety of Star Trek Picard season three, which may be indisputably the single best season of Trek ever made oh, so yeah. far, mm -hmm. um, please pause this recording, reevaluate what you've been doing with your life, go binge all 10 episodes, and come back this evening to listen to this. Yeah, and call, call in sick, do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. Okay, so it's like that, that episode. Said, it's like that episode of Portlandia. That one scene. That one. That one sketch where they're watching the reimagined BSG Battlestar Galactica, and they keep calling in from work. They get fired. The power's turned off, and it's only then when they can't they can't keep streaming that they like get off the couch and shave. Oh God, I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. I didn't it's know not, you watched. I, I didn't know I, you watch shows like that. I, I thought... didn't, but I saw that one, and of course that was BSG, so it wasn't recent, but yeah. it was—it's still one of my favorite shows. Wow, I didn't—I didn't know that. Okay, um, back so to countdown, Picard. countdown from five, and then we're going to start talking. Five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. Time's up. Okay, holy moly! 
I gotta tell you, I love the season. Oh my god! Episode nine, when they warped into the Fleet Museum oh. and the the doors opened, the station doors opened, and there was the Enterprise D, the fat one. Yes, I will be honest. I lost it. That it, was it. Was you? You started texting me while you were watching it. And I'm like, but you had watched it before. You had watched it before me. Stop. So Brad was like two or three times during episode nine, you text and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And I keep responding. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Um, The, 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 as the music, the music. Let's start there. Um, The soundtrack is. The whole soundtrack is I, so I've been, well, you pre-ordered and Mm -hmm. I waited until it's, I stayed up to, to download it when it started, when it was available for streaming. Um, just yesterday I finished listening through it. Okay. Front to back. Cause it's 45 pieces. Yes. And, um, and so a bunch of that was in the car and then some of the stuff was, you know, like if I was in the kitchen or whatever, I had a little away time from my family. So that, you know, so I didn't just have like music disrupting them when they were doing whatever. And wow. I mean, you and I have been nonstop on the soundtrack since the first episode. It's, oh, and, it's a masterpiece. And, you know, I used to play horn back in the day. And when oh, the D came God. out of the station and it was the TMG theme and it was total horn with trumpet desk cant. I got goosebumps. Oh, oh and, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, and the, the use, the use of brass in this soundtrack oh, was gosh. so strong the whole way through. Oh man. So good. But, but the whole soundtrack, I mean, incredible. Yeah. And so, you know, all this buildup. Yeah. The changelings, you know, such a complex story, you know, the Borg, you and I, I sent you a, a little snippet video where they, they, in effect, mesh together the whole timeline of the Borg and all the major events that really drove us up right to, um, right to the episode nine. I, you know, so one of the things that I keep seeing, uh, keep seeing, keep reading online is the recommendation to, and I should say, this is by people really immersed, like in Trek, right? Far more than we are. Like, like they write yeah. about a comment about it for a living, that type of thing. One of the things that, that right away, as soon as like, uh, uh, you know, the journalists and whatnot had seen nine and 10, the episodes mm-hmm. was, you need to watch the series again. I'm sorry. You need to watch the season again from start to finish and pick up all of the hints and tie-ins to appreciate how tightly constructed oh. the whole story is tight start to finish. Um, I, I, that's, that's, I think we're both planning on doing that uh, before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And how it ended with one with Captain Seven. Oh, on the Enterprise so G, good. she and and obviously, hopefully they execute on a new season. Who would have thought Starfleet would give a starship to a thief, a pirate, and a spy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and someone who who had been a and two who had been Borg. I uh, it's 
It's so, so, okay. So episode 10, one of the things that stands out is it has essentially three endings. And, uh, I mean, if you think about it, like, like on the final ready room for Picard, right? When Will Whedon is interviewing Terry Metalis and Jerry Ryan, which, which you had told me and you were right. We haven't talked a lot about that yet. Um, because I just watched that the other day ago. Um, that is a wonderful interview and and you know metallis said that i mean there are essentially there was a separate ending for each of these each of the threads in the story like i i think i told you on the phone a few days ago like i thought we were at the end of of episode 10 and i i was like that was really 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 good i don't know if it blew my mind but it was really good and I just assumed, okay, it's the end. And then it reset. And it went to the next tie-up. And I'm like, whoa. And then it did it again. Yep. And then you have the credit scene. Yes. And it's, I mean, you know, neither of us is, uh, is, is like, neither of us gets overly emotional watching TV, whatever. No, but, no, no, no. But um, this whole season, and especially 9 and 10, Oh, this yeah. was this was this was something else. And the way and I'll say this, I like I liked all the TNG movies. Yeah. I grew up. I am old enough where I am post TOS TV. Yep. But I'm old enough. We to grew up have, with the movies. With the movies. Absolutely. So Captain Kirk, Spock, all yep. of them. TNG came in later. I was a late starter to that. I didn't really start watching it until I met you. So I was about five or six years behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Story of your life. But pretty much. Um, but ultimately, you're not going to edit that out, of course. Oh, you're going to edit out. No. You're going to edit no. out all the other stuff. I don't edit out truth. Enough. Okay. Keep yeah. Going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just the way the, you know, I never felt like we got a really good send off of the TNG crew kind no, of like what we no. did with undiscovered country undiscovered country which has just and it's just i mean i remember being in the theater seeing undiscovered country for the first time and the send off simply the signatures of oh, the yeah. actors to that wonderful theme yes. and and it was so well done, so meaningful. And we never got anything like that. Never got anything like that to, to TNG. No. And and to, you know, and there's a lot of folks involved in it, to Terry Metalis, to, you know, Dave Blass, all these people who are out there who were involved in this. Mm. They really gave Hats off, man. A, I think I think the the T the TOS crew got a great send-off. Yep. Really beautiful ending. Yep. This one tops it. This one With... tops it. I think, in all honesty, like you said, yeah. I think 9 and 10 alone were my two favorite episodes of Star Trek any season, anything. And I, you know me, I'm a diehard DS9 fan. And And like if you take those two episodes together, honestly, you could just take 10. But if you take mm-hmm. 9 and 10 together, I mean... I haven't, I haven't thought this through, so I, I'm not going to commit on a rank, if you will. But, mm-hmm. and you can disagree with this, definitely. I know others will, but we're talking about a quote-unquote film of the caliber 
minimally of Wrath of Khan of oh, Undiscovered yeah. Country. I mean, I'll, I'll agree. Yeah, this is this was no generations fun as that was. Um, oh, it was, yeah, it was it was fun. I I don't have anything. A lot of people didn't like Nemesis. I didn't mind it. Um, I, th- I I thought it was great, and it has it yeah. had a wonderful ending, but then yeah. it then it ended. But another threat because you mentioned DS Nine. Another thing that I think is so well done and so you know for those of us so immersed in the lore mindset etc of star trek uh and who want to see who are who are rejoicing literally in all of the trek that's available now um this is the i felt like the first time that the the relevant threads from tng ds9 and voyager voyager yes right were i mean i i would have actually i would have liked even more ds9 but um you know something's up because they didn't do much with that. Um, you know, something's got to be coming. But still, there were threads from DS9, Voyager, and TNG, and they were woven together in Season 3 of oh. Picard. Right? It, it acknowledged that this all happened in the same galaxy. Even though we didn't see many allies and enemies who would be interesting to us, still... Like, I mean, I, look, I just said not much DS9, but of course, my God, the, the, the whole thing centers around the Dominion, sort of. Yeah, um, or char- the Changelings at a minute. The Changelings, certainly, you know? right, yeah. right. Man, so just so well. I just, uh, yeah, and and obviously for many, I, I you know, I saw a few comments here and there that it that it was really designed more nostalgic for fans. Of course it was. Um, Of course there's nostalgia there. We got to see... <clears throat> the bridge of the D again. We got to see oh the D fly looking better to, than it ever did. You said this to me. You you messaged and said, "Did you notice how well and how awesome the D looked battling the Borg cube?" You oh know, we never saw it like God. that. They never you know? had the time or the budget. No, even even as popular as TNG became, they never had the time or the budget to really do this. And then flip that around. So in the interview with with on the ready room, Metallus said, you know, it, they took they spent budget was still an issue. They spent, for example, six months rebuilding the bridge of the D and yeah. they had two days to shoot. And that was yeah. it. But they had the budget. And yeah, like, I mean, don't you think, though, the the entire the entire sequence of the Enterprise D and that Borg cube, which was, a, 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 I think, an even, it might have been an even larger than normal cube, I believe. But, well, I think it was, yeah. I think it was almost like some of those, the some of the, the stations that existed around Transwarp. Um, yeah, right. Portals and all, it was yeah, like good. one of those. Right, you know? right. Um, so, now, but... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, I'm going to transition us to something else within the Picard verse. Okay. Wanna, okay. So I want to. Okay. So the, <clears> okay. So perfect. So I'll just add this little piece here of when TNG ended with all good things, widely recognized as the best. I, this might be debatable now, but at least up until Picard's ending, all good things is widely recognized as the best final episode of any Trek. Sometimes the best final episode of almost any series, period. Beautifully done. But when that ended in, what, 94? 93? 93, 94. 93, and then Generations came out in 94. I think it was 94. Um, 
think oh, it was okay. Okay, so ninety four ninety. Then when yeah. that when we were in college, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when that ended. I remember being moved by it. It was very bittersweet. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful, and and it felt like we've come to an end. We we knew that there were there was a movie coming. It, the movie mm -hmm. came out a handful of. You're right. It's ninety four. The yeah. the movie came out five or six months after, um, but still it felt sort of final. My feeling, at the end of Picard, is is was remains the opposite. I have never felt so, and you said this to me, I have never felt so optimistic, so invigorated looking to the next step with the end of a series as I have with episode 10. The, the way they handle it, especially with, with the Enterprise NCC 1701 Gee, and I'll be honest, if we dwell on this, at least one of us is going to have tears in his eyes again. Oh, yeah. And, and that's where I wanted to transition. Yeah. And, okay, and let's go. No there. one can see, but I actually, we were today talking about backgrounds and I have the G as my background. Okay, so it looks, I, I thought it was the Titan because I can't, yeah. there's the G. Yeah, there it is. There's yep. the G. Yep. It's, it's, I have to set it up. It's mirrored right now. But um, mm -hmm. I really hope, and obviously it's set up for some sort of, future whether it's a mini series whether it's don't want a mini series i want a full series don't call it legacy it's got to be forward looking not you yeah them. yeah new voyages whatever they want to call it i don't Ooh. i don't know so but captain seven rafi is number one jack oh, is special counselor yeah. them warping out um, and a solid bridge crew of younger oh. actors and great characters and highly diverse in terms of species and everything. It feels like it's a really good compliment to Strange New Worlds. You 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 took the words out of my mouth. Right? It feels because like it's a really as, good compliment. And that's one of the reasons we decided to have this conversation in GM Corner now, because we're about a month out from the end of Picard, and to the day we're a month away from the start of Strange New Worlds, which yeah. I deeply love and think season one was without question the strongest first season of any trek ever produced um but no i am i am exactly there with you 100 percent. it's got that that vibe but but it pres presumably wouldn't be quite so episodic although honestly i would love it if i'm gonna i'm gonna use your idea because i think it sounds great if star trek new voyages if if Star Trek New Voyages hashtag New Voyages if Star Trek <laughs> New Voyages um uh that's gonna be showing up on our Twitter feed soon oh yeah it is if uh if Star Trek New Voyages um is is made um I would like to see it leaning more heavily toward the episodic than toward the thematic right I. I it, 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 it would have to be if they want to have like a five to seven season run, right? Doesn't have to be as episodic as Strange New Worlds. Uh, maybe something like DS9, which you adore so That's much. That's exactly yep. what like, I was going like, to say. Like, is... like five through seven of DS9 of, you got your episodes, you can... but it's always, always big. Not like The Mandalorian, where in the last five minutes or 10 minutes, it's like, and we're advancing the story. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's like there can be an undercurrent of a serialized story going on. A further. strong undercurrent. Yeah. As you move through the seasons of this show, they can still have it episodic. I mean, in some ways, Voyager was similar there. There's this. Yeah. They had these yeah. mini undercurrents with 
<clears throat> the Kazon and yeah. these other I, the seven <clears throat> of nine storyline worked out pretty well. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I mean, look now, and obviously what I have always the one thing about Voyager that that always kind of just what I was off for me. It wasn't a negative, it was just off for me was how Ensign Kim I, was never promoted. Well, that okay. Let me rephrase that. There are two <laughs> yeah. things about okay. Voyager. What was the you other know? thing? <laughs> well, I was watching last night. By the way, I don't think Garrett Wang ever got a chance to direct an episode, and normally they allow people to do that. I'm not um, sure he ever got a chance to really act either. He's no. a good actor, but his his character they really tied his hands behind yeah. his back. So, I sorry, to what's see the other more, thing? I just was going to say I wanted to see more progression in terms of growth with Seven than what we saw in the series. And I know there was growth. I oh, wanted to see more. Really? And we got to see it in Star Trek Picard. She was with the Fenris Rangers. I was going right? to say season one. Yeah. Definitely. And, a little bit in season two. Yeah. And they, for her yeah. now, yeah. we saw such a progression. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. am excited about seeing Jerry Ryan as a captain of the Enterprise. Oh, Who man. else? i just thinking without oh, having man. to go out and create a new, I mean, you know, create a new character. Who better to, to do this? And that's why I'm so hoping that it wasn't just them warping off into... No, no. The a sun, and we'll never oh. see it again. You know, well, I mean, I I kept wondering how how is Metallus getting away with making such an obvious bid for the next series? Oh yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm, I'm like. I'm like, and I understand that they wouldn't want to announce anything because that didn't affect in itself well, as a spoiler. Actually, and, okay, you know? so granted, we know that they've covered things uh, as well. They they should understandably. Um, uh. I don't want to date when we're recording this because we're a little in advance, but um, in fact, I didn't send it to you because you were busy today, but uh, Trek Movie, right? One of our favorite mm-hmm. websites. Hi, Lori. Uh, mm-hmm. Trek Movie uh, had a synopsis of the comments made uh, oh. and and from uh, between Metallus and Kurtzman from a variety of sources basically indicating, you know, nothing's being done, but everything's on the table and... Kurtzman is aware he has heard the fans desire at which point I went out and signed one of the um what do you call those one of change. the petitions yeah at change.org yeah, yeah I need to go yeah so that. if if you're all if you're you know you're all in the mood to sign a change.org hashtag new voyages um yeah but but it so you know it's being heard I mean the buzz is pretty significant but you know we know again we know that uh there is a Star Trek Section Thirty One uh, uh, streaming movie, film, yep. TV movie, if you will, um, mm-hmm. uh, announced. I think that is the perfect way to do it. I don't want and I don't need a Section Thirty One movie uh, series. Please yep. don't screw up the timeline any worse. But yep. she's a wonderful actor, and it's a wonderful story. And you can't just drop the Guardian of Forever and not get back to that. Oh, so yeah, good like call. like yes. like a two hour special TV event, right? That yeah. is to me ideal um and and maybe maybe as sorry, i don't mean to monopolize this maybe as we no, kind no, of that's okay. ra- wrap up this episode just because you know next week we're not going to probably talk track we will have to take no. a breather and and as we do this we yeah. still have to talk about all the announcements during star wars celebration we'll have to do that in the next episode that's gonna that's gonna have to be the next because there's a ton and they yes. all look good i can't tell you how much i'm looking all i'm gonna say about. is Hashtag ecstatic because I am so happy. I know there's a lot of divisiveness out there. 
about a movie after you know haters gonna hate no that's that's exactly what you and i want yes put it 15 years out there but then but then i also equally love how there's going to be a film targeting 25,000 years ago because that's not only the start of the jedi and the recognition of the force but that's the start of the galaxy as we know it and hyperspace lanes being created and everything so yeah that that's that that i'm excited too because that really pushes pushes the timeline back way before right you know even the the high republic everything because it's all apocrypha yeah and so we can shed light on that to bring it back to track to close us out Mm -hmm. um as as this drops we are we we have star trek picard so wonderfully beautifully complete Mm -hmm. we are exactly one month from the release of strange new worlds season two we're both very much looking forward to that that's huge Mm -hmm. we are looking at lower decks returning yes what was that already season four yeah, that's amazing. Uh, my estimate, they say late summer. I'm assuming that's going to be August, uh, maybe late. I think that's kind of what they did last time. Late August, yeah. maybe er- sept- early, right? early September, early September. Yeah. And then winter for prodigy. Um, shout out uh, to uh, Aaron Walkie, uh, my favorite of all the Star Trek producers. That's for a completely unrelated reason. <laughs> um, and um, and I'm really looking forward to that. And that's winter. So I'm guessing uh, what they did last year was like November ish. So I'm I'm thinking we're maybe gonna have like June to June June into August, August, September into November, probably like right before the end of the year, maybe Prodigy. And 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 then next year early we're gonna have, you know, the finale of Discovery. So it's a heck of a lineup. Well, and I'll this is my last comment because I'm gonna I yeah, can close open up a out. can of worms with no no no, you're gonna close us out. But uh episode nine. Um, it's not like we could use the Enterprise E wharf. That, that was, was not, not my, uh, fault. my fault. That ties in potentially to Prodigy because. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Brilliant. Yes. And so mm-hmm. if that's accurate, there's mm-hmm. another tie in and another reason that you should ignore the fact if you are an adult and say, well, I can't watch a Nickelodeon show. Trust me. Oh, it watch it. A f- watch it's, it. It's a wonderful story. It's. Yes. This is. It's it's acted for kids. It's written for adults. Yeah. Um. And, and on that note too, I, I so right. I mean, something's up with that storyline, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um. The Cisco. Where is the Cisco? The fact that is it IEW. The fact that there are are new licensed comic books coming out, which are not canon. They're never canon in Trek. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Things are coming out. I come on, people. Where's the? Uh, don't you think we're a year or two away from something being revealed? Some some kind of tie-in. I, I I'm not saying it would be Avery Brooks. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know that Avery's retired. I you know mm-hmm. I've always told you about him. I know we got to wrap up because I I won't go off. But I love mm. Avery Brooks. I loved him as Captain Cisco. I loved him as Hawk in Spencer for Hire oh. and his own show and, and um, still maybe the best monologue of all of Trek in the pale moonlight. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'll let, I'll, I gotta, I gotta take a breather and have some coffee. Cause I am just, mm-hmm. I, it, it was, right. t- I could talk about this a lot. You both of us could. Yeah. So stay tuned for an upcoming episode focusing on coffee 
were were dead serious. We'll get Brad through the Absolutely. delirium tremens, and then we are, yeah, we're good to go. All right, as always, uh, be well, stay well. We'll see you in a couple weeks.